in today's episode, we're going to be taking a data-driven approach to dating. This means looking at the 10 major points of your dating life and giving you specific data from the amount of new women you're meeting on a daily basis to how long you can hold a conversation to what happens before intimacy, post-intimacy and relationship satisfaction. This is an unbelievable episode. I hope you enjoy it. I have my head coach, Peter Gunnery, on again for the episode. It's a fantastic episode. If you like it, make sure you hit the like button and subscribe. So welcome to today's episode, Peter. My pleasure. Really excited about today's episode, not going to lie, because we've been doing data-driven coaching for quite some time, and it feels like a long-format explanation on why and how much hassle it will save you is long overdue. So I'm sure you'd agree that this yeah, is a... Yeah, definitely, 100%. Yeah. So let's just let's just get into this. Like, So obviously, we're going to be doing the 10 data points that we track our clients with throughout this episode. So we're just going to do one at a time. So the first data point I wanted to speak about was how many new women you're meeting on a daily basis. So we have statistics on this because I've been coaching for 15 years and we've been tracking the success of our clients. And there's a sweet spot that we found. And the sweet spot is two new women a day without using dating apps in the real world, starting conversations. Now, there's so many different reasons for this. For example, if you're meeting two new women a day that you find attractive, that is 14 new women a week. It's obviously 60 a month, right? In our experience, most people meet less than two or three women a month that they find attractive. So by getting to that number, what you find is that your dating life gets better in so many different ways. For example, you have a choice over who you want to date. You don't have to put up with grief in a relationship that you'd normally put up with. I mean, they're endless. So initially, um, maybe share some experiences of people you coach or just get into sort of this idea so we can, you know, understand it. Yeah, I think um, it's probably the first thing I focus on when I'm coaching is meeting meeting new people in general because everything else you do, if you're not meeting people, you're not implementing anything else we do. So that's step one. Now, we always have to find the right way of actually implementing client by client. So just to give my the way I do it, I happily meet people during my day-to-day life every day. But if I don't, I always have something I'm doing during the week. So I dance once a week, well, actually twice a week. Um, I go to a debate society once a month. So there's always things I am naturally meeting new people anyway. Mm-hmm. And then I'm adding to that by if I see someone I want to speak to or someone comes into my world, I'll speak to them there. So it's finding things which people want to do mm. and then building off the back of that. So if you're meeting 14 new people a week just by going dancing, as an example, do you need to take more action? I would recommend it, but mm. it's not. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, being really specific over this, it's 14 new women a week mm. or two women a day that you find attractive, that you'd be interested in having a conversation with and seeing where it goes. Yeah. So it's not just... Just anyone, yeah. Yeah, I get it's not it. just anyone. It's got to be specifically women you find attractive, right? But there's so many different nuances to this, like such as do you continue doing that when you've met someone that you want to date, which we can get into. There's also where are you going to meet these women? And we're going to do a whole podcast episode on a dating funnel. And the top mm. of the funnel is obviously yeah. where you go to meet women. And I know that 
this is our primary way of coaching people, right? So you, by yourself is where you normally go. Then you've got small groups, such as the gym, dance class, stuff like that. and you've got big groups, such as seminars. Yeah. Again, we're going to do a whole episode on this. I wanted to share while we're on this, just something that's very frustrating for a lot of guys when it comes to meeting women that they like. So a client of mine recently was not meeting enough women, basically. And he fell into a trap, which a lot of guys do, when they don't meet enough women. So this girl that he was seeing, they hadn't been intimate together, but he was, this is before I coached him, he was paying for hotel night stays, spa events, exclusive dinners in nice places in Mayfair in London, right? And he said something as like a matter of the fact, which actually was a really big point when I spoke to him. She was sharing the experience on social media but without tagging him or without him being in any of the pictures, right? Now, the more I thought about this, the more it frustrated me. So essentially, when you're creating a video or a photo, you're the director, right? So you choose who's in it and who's not, you know, did you make the cut or not, right? That's a, 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 a good saying. So I asked him, when she goes away with her friends, does she post videos and stuff with them in it. He said, yes, she does. Okay, so she's posting video content and photo content with her friends when she goes to these places. But when she's with you, she's not. Why do you think that might be? What's the, what's the logical explanation? And he's like, oh, well, it's her social media account and she's a model and, you know, she, sh she shouldn't be posting stuff with guys on there. I was like, why don't you take another guess? Because that's, that's not the reason. The real reason is because she was keeping her options open and she didn't want to post on her social media account that she was with a guy, right? So as it turns out, they didn't end up dating. He spent a hell of a lot of money on her. And as it turns out, she had three or four guys all doing the same thing at the same time. And she really had no intention of dating him. So from his point of view, he thought, wow, this is really amazing girl I've met. We're spending time together. She's into me. This is going to progress into a relationship. And it didn't. And the red flag along the way, which he could have noticed sooner, was what she posts on her social media. Because if it had looked at that first, he could have worked out that she wasn't that into him. Because if she was into him, let's say she was dating a guy who had a social media following that's a lot bigger than hers, or a celebrity, she'd be tagging him in the image, right? So the only reason why she wasn't is because she didn't want him in it. Which indicates that, for me, she was really never that into him. And essentially was leading him along the way. And I think, how often does this happen? I mean, this must happen a lot, right? So for me, just thinking about that, a massive red flag, if I was um, thinking about dating a girl and her social media was like that, we spent time together, she never included me in that. Initially, I would want to have a conversation with her about it and ask her, why aren't you tagging me in this? But then I thought, you're just going to get that response. Oh, I didn't realize you wanted me to. Okay, then. Well, why don't you tag me now? Then you'll get the response of, oh, you're just trying to control things, right? So you can predict what's going to happen because she doesn't want to post you in the video. So in reality, it's a red flag. Do not date this girl if she's going to behave in that way, because she's clearly just keeping her options open. Now, have you experienced anything like that with your clients before or anything similar in your own life where... That was a, a red flag like that that you missed that actually could have saved you some grief or, or some effort. I don't think I've had that specific red flag. I mean, as we've discussed in the past, I've had the opposite where I've been 
I've had girls upset with me because I don't want to be in social media posts mm. on their social media, um, which is fine. I think there's there's yeah. a balance to be had there where you, you've got to loosen up a little bit sometimes and, and allow what the world to go through. Um, I think the closest thing I had was a, a client said like his ex-girlfriend stopped putting him into social media and her reasoning was because he always looked stiff and awkward and didn't didn't photo well. I I'm, That sounds reasonable, but at the same time, it's not. No, it's not. <laughs> because Absolutely not. who cares whether you look stiff? Yeah, they should be, the you know, you should be proud about who you're spending time with. Yeah. If you're spending time with a girl and you don't want to tag her in your social media, why would that be? Yeah, exactly. Because you don't want it to be in your image, right? So it's the same. So <clears> the reason why I brought that up is because when we look at our sort of data-driven approach to dating, right? So after I coached this guy, he started implementing meeting two new women a day, right? Now, when you do that and you work on the other areas that we're going to get into, you start to get a lot of dating options, right? You get a lot of choices. And that allows you to have the option over who you want to spend time with, who you want to date. So he then, during that process, created some red flag questions or perhaps checking social media to see what kind of responses there are. So the byproduct was he only dated women that were clearly into him, right? And it prevented him from being a bit too keen when he first meet them because he's got obviously got other options. What are your other experiences of taking people through our, our data and approach where they go from perhaps meeting one girl online a week to actually meeting two new women a day over the course of a week, a month, a year? Like what, what changes have you seen in people? I think the first change is their day-to-day excitement levels just go up. So they're they're less sort of mundane, miserable, like, and and that's that's probably the key word, miserable. A lot of people they put on a front of I'm doing okay, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm. But when you're meeting people you enjoy spending time with, and this usually this is uh, better, like uh, people you find attractive, good-looking girls or or highly intelligent girls, as well as guys in terms of more stimulating conversations, mm. as well. Those kind of like those implementations just give you a bit more of a zest for life. Mm. And as soon as you have a bit more of a zest for life, then suddenly all you you start implementing or working towards your goals mm. a lot more because you've got more energy. And it's sort of like a, instead of being a downward spiral, you end up with an upward spiral and it's a circle of success. Yeah, that that's 100% what you notice in your life is that the spontaneity. So you're on your way to the gym, you're on your way somewhere, you see a girl, I can go and start a conversation with her. I could potentially date her. Oh my God, my whole life is opening up in front of me. I have options. And when you have options, you put up with less mm. grief. You don't have to put up. You have a choice. And I think that's the biggest thing you get is like when you follow the the data, which says two new women a day over a period of time, you have a choice in your dating life. You have freedom and you have power or a sense of power. I mean, on this, you know, wh- what happens when you then enter into a relationship with someone are you as active on that front should you still be speaking to two new women a day in that situation that's a a trickier question because i guess it depends on the type of relationship you have and the direction you want that relationship to have so for me i think having a sense of freedom in my life is important where i don't necessarily need to be approaching someone with any kind of intent other than paying them a compliment. Whether I'm saying to a guy, I love your suit, mate, love your hat, love your shoes, or a girl, I love your outfit. I don't think that should be taken away just because you've entered into a relationship. That for me is part of my character and I'm giving value and making people feel good. So if you look at it like that, 
obviously we teach people not to have an outcome anyway. So it, it kind of goes into that and moves more away from the, you're only approaching, you know, women because you want to get something out of it. To actually, if you lead a life where you're giving value in the form of compliments, your dating success takes care of itself. So, so my experience of this is that when we educate people on letting go of the outcome mixed with paying compliments, your whole life gets better. Yeah, I agree. I think I'm, I'm more, more down the line of, um, because I speak to people who come into my world, I, I don't chase over. Like I wouldn't run across the road to speak to anybody. Well, I wouldn't do it anymore because I know there's enough people coming within my vicinity to talk to. Yeah. Now, because of that, I talk to everybody. And my view on the world is somebody I'm dating, and this I've got the data on this from the last five years. If somebody I'm dating, when you stop doing that, when you're dating them, you stop being the person mm. they started dating anyway. Mm. So... I, I just carry on doing that in front of, even with my girlfriend next yeah. to me, I will talk to everyone around me mm. if I want to. And I think the worst reaction I got was, can we go home now, please? Yeah. But even that, I mean, that's attractive. Yeah. You know, it's not attractive. It was more she was tired. It. Yeah. It was more yeah. she wanted to go home and have a rest rather than she didn't want me to talk to anybody. But, but think about it from a self-confidence point of view, right? You have the self-confidence, just meet people, start conversations, be free. And you meet someone and then... What ends up happening is you end up resenting your girlfriend because you feel like you can't be yourself around her. That's your own fault because mm. you, you shouldn't have stopped at the start. What happens is you put a woman on a pedestal, which she hasn't asked you to do, and then you act like you can't do all of these things, which takes me back to go back to the data. What does the data say? The data says two new women every single day. When you do that, everything in your life gets better. So I think I'm glad that we, we, we started off with this because... Whenever I do consultation calls with people, the first question I ask them is, how many new women per week are you meeting, not on dating apps that you find attractive? Often the answer is none or one or maybe one on a night out. So I say, so great. So if we start doing two a day, all of a sudden your life's going to get better. One of the pushbacks I get is I don't live in a city that's busy enough. And I say, great, we've got a goal then. Move to a city where you have more dating options. And when people say, oh, I can't do that. What do you want me to do about it? You know, if you want to get success in your dating life, you have to follow the data because that is what indicates success. If you want mediocre success, then carry on doing what you're doing. So there has to be something that changes. And I think that's the point. By the time people come to us for coaching, they realize they need to change. And part of it may be moving where you live, giving yourself more options, perhaps trying a yoga class, perhaps trying a dance class, but changing your behavior and your results change as well. Yeah, and I, I agree with that. I think... I think you you said to me a couple of weeks ago where you had a client who was like, I can't move due to these reasons, but I can travel, was it an hour or two hours to a, to a bigger city where yeah. I can actually go and even if it was daily or, or once a week, you can still do something. And again, as mm. you mentioned, there, there are places where you can meet people. A small a small town will still have an abundance yeah. of people you can you can meet because a small town is still thousands of people. Well, yeah. It's just not going to be London, which is millions of people. So you've got the balance as well. I mean, that's completely true. He was saying, look, I can't do two a day, but I could drive to a major city and I could do 14 in a day. And I'm like, well, there you go. Yeah. You know, do seven, go and speak to seven people. And then from that, you can then have a break and then speak to seven more. But this builds on because there's more to this. There's not, it's not just about starting conversations, but so this, yeah, this brings me on to the second point that we wanted to talk about, which is the rejection rate. 
So it's okay if you're going to go and start a conversation with two new women a day, right? So I'm going to go and start a conversation with two new women a day. But what happens if you're being rejected all of the time? And again, we've got data on this. So our data says you should be rejected less than 20% of the time. So if you're speaking to 10 new women, eight of them should be receptive to your approach. And again, we've got the date on this. When people take our training courses, by the end of the course, they are getting rejected less than 20% of the time. Whereas at the beginning of the course, the rejection rate could be 90%. So again, when people say to me, I've tried, you know, you know, you're saying to me, I need to go and approach more women, but I've tried that and I keep getting rejected. Okay. So have you thought about it's the way that you're doing it? <laughs> Clearly it's the way you're doing it. Because if I don't get rejected, and you don't get rejected and our clients don't get rejected. It's the way in which you're doing it. Yeah. Right. So what do you what do you think on this? No, the, the data speaks for itself. I mean, ov obviously you could say, oh, yeah, I have a week where you get rejected more than a, a week where you never get rejected. So it's not it's yeah. always 80 percent every single day. But on average, it should be 80 percent of the time you should have a positive response. And I think on that. I don't have I don't think we've got any specific data on why the 20% is rejecting and why not but mm. a lot of it is either you've done something which is for that person off-putting or mm. makes them uncomfortable or that they could just be having a day or they could be a reason they could be in a relationship mm. so that that 20% is is 20% the rest of the yeah. time I would I would put the onus on you because I've yet to meet somebody who doesn't enjoy a compliment who doesn't enjoy like having a conversation mm. like as long as you follow the training which we say the way we initially like do the initial approach or if somebody sits next to you there's you can have a conversation you're on a train you can 100%. talk to the person sat next to you or yeah. if there's a dog and or yeah there's there's so many areas of your life where you can implement conversations where people don't because it's like either socially you shouldn't mm. which is nonsense or it's because you're in a situation where you've never done it before so there's a fear yeah. I mean, that brings up something. So one of my clients, he has been in a relationship and he came to a course recently, but he's seeing a therapist at the moment. So he came to the course and we we're, you know, getting him back into meeting people during his day to day life. He messaged me last week and said, oh, my, my therapist said that I should just st stick to meeting women in bars and clubs. You know, what do you think I should do? And I was thinking that is such poor advice from a therapist. It's unbelievable. Okay, so limit your opportunities to meeting women to a Friday and Saturday night in alcohol and probably drug-infused situations where every guy that's at there is essentially trying to get with another girl that's there, right? So you're in a competitive mindset. I was thinking that is just such awful, awful advice. And who does it serve? It's just generic, awful mm -hmm. advice, right? The second point I wanted to make is that a rejection isn't a woman saying, I'm not interested in dating you. When we say a rejection, what we mean by that is where the compliment isn't received so that they stop and talk to you. So we label it as a rejection. It's not even a rejection. Excuse me, I really like this about you. Oh, great, thank you very much. Or oh, thank you, but I'm in a rush, I can't talk, right? Mm -hmm. We label that as a rejection. It's not even a rejection. Because the only time you're rejected is if you perceive that you've been rejected by someone which isn't the case. You're just paying someone a compliment, which goes back to what we're saying. Let go of the outcome and the rejection doesn't come. Yeah. I mean, the way I explain it to the clients is the only thing you want to do is make someone's day mm. or week or month. Like if you compliment a guy on his outfit, you've made his year. Like, <laughs> 100% of the time, especially if true. it's in front of his family. Yeah. Like, it's true. And, and, and that's, the, that's the point. It's like, 
but guys say, you know, there's this whole thing about having approach anxiety about speaking to women, right? So you, you're anxious because you might get rejected, fear of embarrassment, fear of things going wrong. But once again, these are easily overcome, right? When you come to our training, we teach you how to balance your thoughts, how to maintain a positive mindset, how to get the right body language, the right tonation. All these things are so easy to coach people to do. And people are like, oh, I wish I'd come to you 20 years sooner. And it's like, you weren't ready 20 years ago, right? So you have to be ready to go through a change period, which means changing the things that you change. But once again, like the data is clear. If I said to someone today, like, okay, you're going to be approaching, let's say 10 women a week, right? And two of them aren't going to be receptive to the approach, but eight are. You know, that's like 400 women a year, roughly, if I get sort of the maths right on that. Potential dating, is that right? Potential dating options, right? I mean, that's a huge number, mm. isn't it? Like I said, just beyond massive, but we're actually saying you should be speaking to 14 new women a week, which means around 11 or 12 are going to be a receptive to your approach. It's like, that's huge. So it's like, okay, can I mitigate someone saying I'm in a rush or not being receptive to a compliment to get the success. I mean, let's compare it to the thousands of hours you spend on dating apps. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So I think one step's awareness, knowing, hang on a minute, there's a girl over there. I can talk to her. The other one is she's actually given me signs and then compare it to what most guys do, which is just use dating apps and waste thousands of times. And the stats on dating apps are like 116 messages before you get a reply on average. It's just astonishing. That's ridiculous, yeah. I know. So it's like, if you're going to follow a data-driven approach to your dating life, you definitely wouldn't use dating apps and you definitely wouldn't use dating websites. You would definitely meet women during your day-to-day -day life. 100% of the all, time. All the time, yeah, 100%. Because and I think I had um, one, one of the clients we were, we were coaching recently and I think I took, um, took on a, a week, weekly for a while. He was saying like, he, he was still on one of the dating apps. I don't really know which one. And he was saying, I've spoken to... I think it was 25 new people in two weeks off offline and I've spoken and I've matched say I, I think it was something like 30 people yet only spoken to two of them yeah and he went I'm on I'm only on the dating app because I've got time in the evenings and it's mm -hmm. like well okay what what can I do instead yeah. because obviously it's it's it, it, there's there's the endorphins you get from swiping and matching but then there's the frustration of not being able to actually take take it anywhere. You you're yeah. taking you're taking action, but you're not actually getting somewhere. Yeah. Whereas if you're in the real world having yeah. a conversation, you're taking action. And what's the worst that happens? They don't yeah. stop, or you ask for their number and they say no. Like that that's not that big a deal. In in the, especially yeah. if you're meeting so many people, it's not that big a deal because there's another one around the corner. That mindset of I'm not doing anything else. I might as well online date. It's utterly ridiculous. It's utterly, utterly ridiculous. Oh, I don't do anything else in the evening, so I might as well use a dating app. I don't use it that often. I think the stats are that people use their dating apps for 90 minutes a day. Let me tell you, if you use that 90 minutes a day to go and speak to women in the real world, in 90 minutes, you can probably start at least, at least 14 conversations in 90 minutes easily, easily yeah. in that period of time. Go, go speed dating instead. At least you're meeting them face to face. Well, just anything yeah. that's that's not on a dating app. So like people that say, oh, you know, it's, 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 you know, no, I don't know. Mate. I don't know because I don't live my life taking an easy option. I follow the data and what I actually need to do. So yeah, that's like, yeah, it's just essentially about getting over the rejection and then everything else becomes a bit easier. The third data point that we, we coach is about the amount of time you can have a conversation with 
before running out of conversation, feeling anxious or it coming to the end. So the data on this again is interesting. It's 90 minutes. So as you know, when we train people, we coach them so that they can have a 90 minute conversation with any woman that they like without running out of conversation, telling stories, flirting, teasing and creating sexual tension, right? If you can't have a 90 minute conversation, what chance do you think you have of having a relationship with someone? <laughs> when you put it like that, it sounds sounds very, very difficult. Now, my, my question for you would be, we, we've done lots of different conversations and sometimes someone's in a rush and you know, you obviously being able to talk for 90 minutes. Now, I've spoken to somebody for 90 minutes, two hours, when they were supposed to be getting on a bus. Mm -hmm. Now, I didn't know they were supposed to be getting on a bus and it got to like two hours and they're like, I've missed like 12 buses now, I need to get on the bus. So there's so there's that balance between between the two. So that's I did, just wanted to highlight that first. Yeah. But secondly, yeah, if I think if you are anxious to talk and you can't think of conversation, you're never going to get the success you want. Mm -hmm. So controlling the anxiety and learning the skills which we'll do in conversational mm. how to hold the conversation but the second thing is having things to talk about the number of clients who when they first start they're like they, they don't have anything to talk about although mm. they do but they mm. don't know they've got anything mm. to talk about or they just need to read more or listen to podcasts sometimes it's it's that simple they're, they're yeah. intelligent but they just they're so work oriented they don't have anything outside of it, it it's it, it's um Interesting. I mean, a lot of the things I do with my clients is get them to do an audio podcast where they have to record themselves for 15 minutes only. But once a week, they have to record a 15 minute podcast without ums, ahs, pausing continuously, because that teaches you how to tell stories. It just speaks, teaches you how to speak more with confidence, regardless of whether your conversation lasts 90 minutes with mm. a girl. It's more about can you do it without feeling anxious and without running out of conversation? If you can get to a 90 minute conversation without feeling dry, without feeling anxious, it's because you have things going on in your life. It's because you know how to tell stories, because you know how to connect in conversation. You know how to demonstrate empathy. You learn all of these skills that you need to be able to maintain a healthy relationship. If you can do five minutes or less than five minutes and you're running out of conversation or you're anxious, your chances of dating someone that you like are pretty well zero. Yeah, no, that's hundred percent. I think the on on that as well is being able to have a conversation for ninety minutes is the dialogue as well. It's being able to listen for extended periods of time. So that could be a five minute or a ten minute listen time. And yes, that's active listening in terms of mm. you're listening to what they're saying, responding, or just listening. And I mean, we teach reflective listening, and there's there's loads mm. of different ways of doing it. But if you're talking for that's hard work. If you were talking mm. for ninety minutes, that's not what we mean. Mm. So it's having that that balance. And being able to ask the right questions to mm. someone. Um, also as well, like being able to know when's the right time to move to another venue for another coffee, to go for walking together. I mean, this is part of like the first date strategy that we teach anyway. But yeah, it, it's that whole like understanding communication skills. And most people, most guys that are anxious tend to drink too much because it gives them false confidence. Then they text too much. And then the whole sort of process just gets like convoluted, right? You can't go away from the base level of skill, which is having a conversation. And even if you can dance and you go into nightclub and you can pick girls up on a dance or wherever it may be, you still need to be able to have a conversation if you want to have a relationship. So what you find is that your relationship will break down because you have an inability to communicate. The other thing that tends to happen in a 90 minute conversation is there's a conflict so you need to learn how to manage that conflict, which again is a key indicator for a long-term health of a relationship. And I know that when you first learned conflict management, it made a massive difference to your self-confidence. Yeah. Well, 100%, yeah. 
I think the other thing which we haven't touched on is empathy building, mm. which is I, I was um, actually on a train, started a conversation with a person sat there. She had a lovely dog. And she started talking about this guy she's dating, just started dating. And her, she was like, oh, we've got this amazing natural connection, a whole load of um, ba- basic language which you would expect to hear from somebody who's slightly um, infatuated. But then she said something really interesting, like, I, t- I asked him to ask me questions, but then when I ask, when I when any asks a question and I start responding, he then makes it about himself, mm. and it's it's that he's trying to connect over. Oh, I understand by look at me mm. rather than listening and actually giving her what she needs in that moment. Yeah. So you feel that he couldn't connect with her, and he was missing a step. He was he was basically trying to articulate a feeling before defining it first. Yeah, or or just listening in that moment, maybe just listen to what she has to say, mm. if, especially if she's frustrated. And then, mm. if you wanted to connect, he could then say something about himself and connect over what that side instead. That's such a basic form of training to be able to do that. And if you think about it, that would be one of the reasons why a relationship fails. When when a lot of people think like their relationship came to an end, there's a lot of blame with the other mm. person, and I I think it's always within you to control. I like being in control of how things went from my own point of view so if a relationship comes to an end it's always my fault and i would like to know what was the cause and what was the effect and the cause often for people is that they can't manage conflict they can't articulate how they feel they can't demonstrate empathy they lose their self-confidence because they're not out speaking to other people you add all of these things up and you lose your charisma or your attractiveness to that woman she then lose respect for you and then before you know it she doesn't find you attractive anymore and a relationship comes to an end. But it's always your fault. I mean, it's always your fault. There's no way around that. Yeah. Or unless unless it's on the other shoes on the other foot in terms of you end it with there because you don't find her attractive anymore. Yeah, of course. But that's, but that's a different... If she's ending it yeah. with you, then it's on. It, it's something you're doing or something you're doing. Yeah, and even if, even if you're potentially ending it with her, perhaps there was a warning sign sooner that she was the wrong person for you today, right? There's always learning lessons. Mm. I, I always think about in terms of cause and effect. Mm. So... The biggest mistake men make in their dating life, I think, is the cause is they see an attractive woman and the effect is they lose control. So stimulus, attractive women, effect, spend money on drinks, taking her out, competing with her, texting, trying too hard, doing all of these things. Let's go back to the cause. Rather than thinking, oh my God, she's amazing. She's a 10 out of 10. She's okay. Right? She's okay. It's probably going to save you a hundred thousand pounds of trying too hard or the equivalent in your time. Right. So I think in the modern dating age, or probably since the inception of time, actually, if you are less affected by a woman's beauty, your dating life will be more in order 100% of the time. It can't not be. Yeah. I think, I think there's, there's a, a, a step, a step further you can go as well. Cause there's visual aids, if you like. So if you're physically attracted to somebody, there's also all the other psychological or, mm. or what they would say connection stuff because someone could be good looking they could be intel- incredibly intelligent etc mm. etc but showing all these red flags so yeah. i think it's all oh, this girl's really really amazing and it's having it, you've put her on the pedestal again mm. just because of maybe yeah. she's got something which another girl doesn't have and but she's doing something which is not necessarily a bad thing for everybody but mm. for your particular lifestyle or your particular personality is yeah. is a red flag well there's so there's two main ways of dealing with that about if you're overly zealous when you first meet someone so the first thing is having ice baths because they actually calm down the same part of your brain as where your sexual urges come from so if you take ice baths you'll be less 
um, sexually excited by women, which would change your life. Definitely. And the other thing is like a Buddhist technique where if you're in a relationship, they teach if you have, if you're lusting after another woman to visualize the other woman, the part you're lusting after, then to go beyond her skin. So you can see her veins and her blood inside and internal organs, because that breaks the attachment. So essentially, if you're someone that struggles with this, breaking the attachment through meditative practices, which we teach our clients to do, obviously is one. And another one's ice bath, because they teach you how to regulate that part of your body. But if I could prescribe one thing that would make everyone's dating life better, it would be that. It would be being less affected by women's beauty. That has to be the number one. As soon as you're less affected by women's beauty, your whole life becomes easier. I'd also say that the, one of the reasons why our initial stat of meeting two women a day, if you're meeting two women a day, then you're less affected by it because you've got more options. Even if you're in a relationship, there's that balance between, between that. And you're yeah. also meeting a lot more yeah. women that you find attractive. So you're less affected by them naturally that, so you've got yeah. that extra la layer as well that, that's exactly it it's about being less affected because you've got more options basically and think about a woman's point of view like they're less affected by guys because generally speaking an attractive woman has a lot of options and then they can be calm because they've got options whereas guys can't it, even a really attractive guy still has to put effort into meeting women you can't get around that element you have to still make an effort in the starting a conversation right that just that's just part of life yeah yeah 100 percent. yeah so I think the that element of not being influenced and if you're attracted to a woman's intelligence, for example, then maybe you need to change where you're going to meet intelligent women. Perhaps you need to go to more art galleries. Perhaps you need to change that part of your funnel so you're around that type of woman more. And the more you're around that type of woman, the less affected by it you'll be. And then the more calm you'll be. Um, otherwise, you're just basically a teenager that's seen a pretty girl and is nudging his mate because he's so excited that she texts him back. And it's pretty pathetic. So I think being an adult about it is actually about taking the steps you need to not be so affected by women's beauty. Yeah. Yeah, yeah 100%. And I, the, other, the other one, which um, is all, always a good, good point, is we, we talk about being overzealous and desperate and a bit clingy is... is um, if it's been, if for whatever reason, if you've been celibate for a long time, you almost need to get that out of your system because you'll see a good-looking girl and be like, you, you, you automatically go, oh, I really like her. Yeah. The, the whole physiological thing, the whole, whole physiological makeup is to reproduce. Mm. So you're suddenly mm. going, oh, and and that naturally yeah. br brings in that in. So it's what, finding a way of getting a release, whether that, that's through meditation yeah. or other other options. Well, I think if that's the situation, ice baths are the way forward. Mm. Because because if if you're not so if you're not in a situation where you're confident to start conversations and, and you're not confident with intimacy, ice baths will calm you down. And then essentially, if you follow our coaching, what you'll find is that women are the ones that want to progress to intimacy with you, and then you can be more calm about it. Whereas what most guys do is they're so desperate and tried, they're always trying to push the physical intimacy, which is the wrong thing to do. We'll get onto this anyway. Um, so the next, the next sort of data point was um, instant dates. And again, so the statistics we have on this are that for every woman that you stop and have a conversation with, seven out of 10, you should be able to go for a coffee date with straight away. So if you're approaching 14 women a week, or say two women, yeah, say 14 women a week, right? You're approaching, or well, 60 a month is probably an easier number. 
So you're approaching 60 new women a month, right? And your rejection is less than 20%. So say like 10 of those women are rejecting you. Okay, that leaves 50. So I'm going to challenge you, Pete, to give me seven, 70% out of 50, which is 35, 30, 35 right? Yeah. yeah, so 35 instant dates a month is what you should be going on if you're following our strategy. Now, if you are doing the amount of approaches and you're getting the rejection rate where we say, but you're not getting instant dates, I would say it's because you're conveying something unattractive about yourself in conversation. So there's a difference between being attractive and a difference between being not unattractive. And, and I believe if you're not unattractive, then women will want to date you. I don't think you need to be the super attractive 10 out of 10. It's about getting rid of those things that are unattractive. It's getting, getting rid of your red flags, isn't it? Mm. At the end of the day. Um, or the, the major red flags, because it doesn't matter who you meet, somebody's going to not like a part of your personality. Yeah. So if that's part of your character and that's who you want to be, you shouldn't remove that just because somebody doesn't like it. So, so what are the biggest red flags? Because I'll, I'll, I'll let you go first on this. The biggest red flags you see in our clients that you help them to eradicate. And then the top three, what are your top three in ranking order? And then I'll give you my top three afterwards about what the biggest red flags are. Ooh, that's a good question. Put me on the spot. I think, I don't know whether it's a, a red flag or just something unattractive. It would be explain, explaining yourself. So sure. especially in storytelling, it's like, they almost have to explain why they were so bad at something or why this situation happened rather mm. than just I've solved it by X, mm. Y, Z. Mm. I think that's probably the, the biggest um, whole, biggest factor holding them back in, yeah. in. So seeking validation through storytelling mm. is number one for sure. Yeah. Okay. And then I'd probably say like body language. There's a lot of sort of body language of very clingy, not clingy, but very sort of needy body language where you're mm. you're sort of very much focused on the woman when she's not giving you the same body language mm -hmm. back. So rather than being relaxed and calm and facing a, a or facing away and being being willing to walk away until she's engaged and then yeah, mirroring, yeah. mirroring, I think that's a big one as well because women pick up on that a lot more than men. Yeah, so being too desperate with your body language, mm. too eager with your body language for sure. And the third I'd say I'd say the third one is like showing weakness if that makes sense. Yeah, being being too vulnerable because mm. you think it's the right thing to do when it's absolutely the wrong thing to do. Yeah. Speaking in terms of weaknesses and things you struggle with rather than how you overcome them. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's interesting you, you say those three because I guess predominantly you do a lot of the video coaching for the business and I do more of the sort of in-person classroom coaching. So I see three things that guys do that put women off. Number one is asking too many questions. That That's a massive red flag because it's just, is this an interview? So we rectify that by teaching people to make statements instead, right? So for sure, number one, biggest mistake men make is asking too many questions. The second thing that they do is they go for a number far too soon. And it's almost like they're asking for a woman's number in the hope that the woman's going to say yes rather than the expectation. And the third thing they do is not ask for a woman's number, which again, they don't want the rejection, which I see all the time as well. So they ask too many questions. They ask for a number too soon or they don't ask for the number at all. There's like... Three of those things are massive red flags to women anyway, right, in conversation. But if we, if we cycle this back around to like going on instant dates, if you are with a woman that you find attractive, as soon as you leave each other's presence, your opportunity of seeing her again goes down massively, right? So if you spend time with her and go for a coffee date straight away, 
that builds trust, intimacy, connection, flirting. It does everything, but most guys never, ever do it. What else are you doing that's so important? You know, I'm on my way this way. I've got 10 minutes. Let's grab a takeaway coffee on the way. You know, when we used to coach our clients, we used to say, oh, oh, you know, we can go that way for 10 minutes. Now it's like, I'm going this way. I've got 10 minutes, draw me for a coffee. And even then, that's like more of an indicator that a girl likes you without you going too far out of your way during your day-to-day life. But yeah. what, what are your experiences? I mean, because when you take clients out in the real world, right, and they've never done an instant date before, then all of a sudden they can do like two or three instant dates in a row. Like, what do you see in them? I, I personally see a power shift, like a power and self-confidence, just bang, they're back. I think the the initial one is always that there's, before they get this, this, to split this down the middle where the number of clients who just struggle to ask and it's like it's almost like that oh i forgot to ask oh i forgot to ask it's like no you didn't forget to ask you got so <laughs> caught up in oh look how good my conversation skills are that you forget what you're actually trying to do yeah and this is where that we say don't be outcome oriented which is 100 percent correct but if you don't have like if you don't actually take the action you're mm. still not going to get anywhere well, so i think yeah. the, the first thing was always like okay i just want you to ask within 30 seconds or get your 30 seconds out of the way and then just start you know i'm going for a coffee come with and get deliberately to get rejected mm. now sometimes the funny one is always when the girl's like yeah okay yeah i know like, <laughs> like, didn't see that really. coming but then but yeah then and if that happens then they they never struggle again because they just get into conversations and they do it what the other side yeah. of it is they get rejected a couple of times then you build the confidence back up and then mm. you're like right i want you just to mm. just to walk with them to and when you see the next coffee shop i'm you're going to grab a coffee come in with me yeah. and then you can either have a coffee with you or not and get a takeaway coffee once you've done that a few times they go from not wanting to start a conversation to actively looking out for conversations so rather yeah. than me being like there's somebody who's just giving you hair play and obviously wants you to start a conversation and having to do that the entire time, suddenly they're seeing it before I do. And yeah. that's the difference. Well, that, that's true, isn't it? I mean, it's like when you get self-confident, you see more opportunities. Like at the beginning of the course, it's like, oh, I didn't see that girl over there. As soon as they've had an instant date, it's like, I'm going to go and talk to everyone, right? I mean, I mean, talking about the, the sort of instant dates and bridging over to sort of the next bit, which we'll talk about afterwards, it's like most people still see exchanging numbers with a girl. Like they're taking something from a girl. I got her number. That mindset is just ridiculous. It's not taking her number. When you're thinking about spending time with someone and you have a time period apart, so you're here and you're going to see each other again. That's two people that are arranging to see each other again. And for me, you arrange it in person when you're with them. I'm free on Thursday night, you know, we'll get into this in a different section, but the mentality is it's been fun spending time with you. I'd like to do it again. And then you just bridge that time when you're apart to a time when you're together again, rather than I got a girl's number and my ego feels great. And aren't I wonderful? Yeah, no, I, I agree because I mean, it used to be when I, when I first started talking to people, it was like, and it was a different time as well, but you, you could text and get go on dates. Whereas now I don't know exactly what's changed. I'm sure we could touch on this in another podcast, but just getting somebody's number and texting them the number of times a girl gives you gives a number away just to be polite mm. and then they're never going to text you back so you are much better off mm. as you say to get getting organizing something like and I'm, i won't go into detail because we're going to do it later but just just the thought of you've gone on a date with somebody or an instant date with somebody you've gone for a coffee or i think the best one i ever did was um, met somebody and then we went to mini golf 
<laughs> I'm going to mini golf. But that, that's me. exciting, that because yeah. it's spontaneous and fun. Yeah. I mean, all right. Well, let's just get into the next section, which is the exchanging number part of it. So again, we've got data on this. So when we first coach clients, we allow them to take women's numbers, right, to build their self confidence. And this data on this is that eighty percent of the time you should get a text back, right? If you take a girl's number and text her. Eight out of 10 women should text you back, right? Two out of 10, for whatever reason, you're not going to get text back. But that's a good number. When people get more self-confident, we teach not to take a girl's number, but to give them your number, right? And if you do that, you should be getting a text 90% of the time. So to give you context, if I went and I, you know, I was in conversation with 20 women that I liked and I gave them my number, I'd expect 18 of them to be texting me first, right? And the reason for this is because if you do all the other things first, you compliment right, you have a conversation, you're not unattractive, you flirt, you, all of these things go right. Why wouldn't a woman want to spend time with you? And then in the modern world, you give her your number because this way it's her informed choice whether she messages you. And you know, if she messages you, she wants to see you. So, I mean, you teach an exact process for this and a text message as well to follow up with or what you say. So what's the, what's the process that you teach? Like take my number. Yeah. What's the process? Oh, yeah. So the, the first, the first thing I teach clients and whilst, and I do follow this sometimes, but I don't always follow it because I, I have a, a slightly different way of doing it. But the easiest way is figure out what she enjoys doing. So if she loves science, take her to the science museum. If she loves art, take her to the art, to an art gallery. So the point being, if she's already excited to do something, whether you're there or not, you've got more chance of her meeting up yeah. with you. She's not going to meet up with you if she doesn't like you, yep. but you've got more chance. So if like you a, invite somebody yeah. who loves science to an art gallery, she's probably going to be like, I like him, but do I like him that much? Mm. And that, that as soon as that thought comes into your head, you're fighting a battle. It's, 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 but on that, you're my mindset on this is slightly different. Mm. So... I get that. So find out what she's into and then do a date that you both like. I personally wouldn't do that. Mm. Well, I, I would just say, I'm doing this. Join me if you want. And the reason for it is because I don't want to make it easy for a girl to join me on a date. I would want to make it more difficult to know that she actually likes me rather than just someone to go to an art gallery with. But I also get why you do it your way, because actually you're doing something that she would enjoy and it would create a nice memory together. Mine really would just be for, for managing time, right? Because a lot yeah. of a lot of um, clients that they fly in from around the world to take my tra take our training courses, right? So if they're only here for a limited amount of time. So when I'm training people, I'm like, look, this is what you're going to be doing when you're here. So invite someone along yeah. to that. And if you're speaking to enough women, then what you find is that the ones that want to see you will come. So mine was more of a time-saving management way of doing it. But I understand your way too. Yeah, I think I think the difference is like, because as you say, if, when I'm coaching live face-to-face -face stuff, that, that is the way I'd do it for two reasons. One is I would always say, have something you want to do. Mm. So in the evenings, have three, if, you, if you're doing a three-day course, three things to do each evening and then invite every single girl to, to join you. Um, because it's it's about spending time with somebody. It's not about in, mm. in that environment. Yes, you might find someone you like, in which case that's fine. But the point being, you have limited time. Don't waste your time. Yeah, absolutely. When it's online coaching and we're not there in support, mm. you want to get them over the hurdle of asking of and asking in the right way, yeah. which is where the the other option comes in. Hundred percent. So and and that's and the progression is doing exactly what you well, got. But the first yeah. step I would always say is this. But but to go back to your original yeah. question on on what's the exact process, well, I think you you pretty much said it. But it is you. You you you're in conversation, and in the moment where you've found, you've 
whether it's finding out what they like or whether whether a moment has come up. So there's there's the two ways. Either something's come up or you're talking about science. Oh, that's, there's this event at the Science Museum. Let's go. Or I'm going, why don't you join me? Mm. Okay, take my number, text me by X, Y, Z. Or it's you've got to the point in a conversation where you're wanting to leave or mm -hmm. you're like, you know what, I want to just take action, see what it is. She's giving yeah. me signals. Then it could be, you know what, I've enjoyed, yep. enjoyed this conversation. And then you do exactly the same process. So it's just a yeah. different lead-in statement depending on the context of the conversation. 100%. And I think the, the interesting thing about what you sort of did, there was the time constraint. So most guys, when they ask a woman out, don't put a time limit on it, which is a mistake. Let me know by midday tomorrow is a standard one. Like, I'm going to this. Would you like to join me? You can take my number. Message me by midday tomorrow if you want to come. The reason why you put a deadline on it is because... In my experience, women tend to want to keep their options open and you want to close down those options so that you can make your own plans. You've invited someone along, you've made the invite. At some point, that invite has to close and it closes on your terms because you're the one making the invite. Otherwise, you're like most guys where you're sat around looking at your phone, hoping for a text back and you don't even get a text back. And it's the wrong way of doing it. So having a time constraint is really important. The second point on there is to always leave first. So if you're having a conversation with a woman and you like her, as we know from Daniel Kahneman, there's the experiencing self and the remembering self. You could be experiencing a great conversation, but she'll remember it that she left first. And that's not going to serve you. So you leave the conversation first because it's backed by psychology. It's backed by data. Leave first and you invite her along to something you're doing and you give her your number. All of these data points add up to you getting dating success <laughs> without the grief that most guys go through. Yeah, and you've also got... Um if you're if you're speaking to somebody and you're gonna leave first like if she's if if she's like oh, i've got to go you can still leave first in that situation mm. it's just like oh yeah before you go exactly tell, yeah. tell me tell me something like this oh by the way i'm gonna have to leave now Alex. yeah definitely i mean this this brings us on to the next sort of data point which is the first date success rate so when we talk about first date success i'm gonna go out and say it should be a hundred percent and what I mean by this is 100% of first dates that you have, the women that you go on a date with should want a second date with you. That should be 100% because there's interest of them to join you on the first date. The only reason why there wouldn't be a second date is if you've messed something up or you've done something wrong, which you could take accountability for. So what are some of the things that you see people doing wrong on first dates, Pete, that, that prevent this 100% success of getting the second date? Uh, trying to do everything too quickly is probably the big one. Um, trying to, I mean, anything from trying to kiss too quickly or too slowly. Sometimes it's too slowly. Trying yeah. to take it home that night when she's not ready. Mm -hmm. Trying to progress, any, basically progress anything too quickly or too slowly. Like sometimes you get, and again, on a too slowly note, I had a client saying, oh yeah, I was talking to this girl, et cetera, et cetera. She, she doesn't seem like the type. But then he said something really interesting where she was like, she invited him in for a drink to mm. her flat. And I was like, well, why didn't you go? Oh, because she, like I didn't want to waste my time when she's not going to sleep with me. I was like, that's a sign that she wants you to come in. Yeah, that's the next step, right? Yeah. So you don't know if necessarily it means intimacy. No, no, but, but it's, it means she wants to spend more yeah, time so with him, right? You, so you, but she didn't meet up, even though she invited him there, she didn't meet up with him. She was like... I'm not interested now. Mm. So it may not have she been intimacy. She probably felt that as a rejection as well. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. so it's the it's the two. Now, obviously, you can't say this is going to go no. X, Y, Z as as we as you pointed to. My my initial instinct was if if somebody's inviting me and they either want to spend more time with me, 
in that scenario, I'd probably say, I'd, I'd probably be like, okay, let's, let's, I'd probably not go in because it depends, depending on that. But based upon what he was saying, I probably yeah. wouldn't go in either, but I'd probably be like, Look, I've, I've really enjoyed spending time. I want to see you again. Yeah, absolutely. Right now I've got things to do in the morning and I, I need to do it. I'd, yeah. I'd make there being a reason and then I would organize to meet them yeah. again. If, if you do, if you don't want to go in, that's probably what I would have done. Look, I think as well, like with, I mean, that's such a nuanced example, mm. but like with, with regards to sort of general first dates, like mistakes being taking a woman out for dinner on a first yeah. date is a massive mistake because it turns, ends up being an interview and you spend a lot of money when it's a complete and utter waste of time. And when you're someone that goes, oh, I'm really chivalrous, like it's a nice thing to do, like it's my culture, whatever reason you want to give yourself as to why you're doing it, you're doing it because you're desperate, try hard and needy because if you had more options, you wouldn't have the time to do that. And women can sniff this a mile away. So sure, they'll go on a date if you're paying for dinner, but chances are they won't want to date you. Yeah. In truth, what you're better off doing is going back to what I was saying earlier is inviting a woman along to something you're already doing, going to an art gallery, going clothes shopping. I'm going new clothes shopping for a suit on Saturday. Do you want to come? Then you can go for a coffee. You've got that whole experience of sharing time together. That's a powerful first date. And it should be time, time constraint again for your first date. It shouldn't be a three hour first date. You know, who, if you're giving a woman three hours on a first date, that just indicates to her you've got nothing else going on in your life. Yeah, so on, on that note, I a hundred percent agree. And <clears throat> sorry, my voice went there. Yeah. <laughs> Have a drink. I had um so on on, on that point, so yeah, well I used to do something where I would have a time constraint on a date. And I never kept it. If I was enjoying the date, I just blasted right through mm. it. Before I knew it, I'd spent three hours on a date. Mm. Now, okay, I was still getting good success with that anyway, mm. because the reason why the dates lasted that long is we were in both both interested. I always have a way of nowadays. I've I've got like a I'll put something in my calendar so it comes up on my phone. I'll be like, oh, I've got to get going <laughs> because it it just it's a it's well, a I, reminder I, of the yeah. times past, and I've actually got things to do. But I, I would just precurse that at the start. I'd be like, you know, if if you're going to go for a drink together, mm. I would say, look, let's let's go for a, let's go for a drink together mm. on Thursday night. Let's go for one drink. You know, because then you can say, all right, that's it. And you're you're better off leaving the first date on a high yeah. than staying too long, which is another mistake guys make all the time. You stay too long and you kill it because you're indicating, you get too drunk, you start talking nonsense, all these things that you don't want to do, right? So you want to have a first date, which you leave first and ideally not involving alcohol, ideally something you're already doing. Yeah. And it just makes that whole process easier. And again, going back to what I'm saying, <clears throat> this is only palpable if you're meeting enough women are you able to do this if you're not meeting enough women you end up being desperate and try hard and you're like oh what are you doing saturday night are you out tonight let's go for drinks and you absolutely ruin it i think the the way i end up doing i'm basically using exactly what you say but the way i end up doing it now is i have a series of things i do which are and it could be something i'm doing as a one-off like a pottery class or painting something candle making and they usually are it could be anywhere from an hour to two and a half hours. Yeah. Now, if you're going on a first date for two and a half hours and it's something like a candle making class, which it could be, I don't mind that too much because, yes, it's a bit of time, but you're not actually well, yeah. just together. There's other things going but you're, on. But you're also doing that anyway. Yeah. It's like you're inviting her along. That's fine. If you go to an art gallery, yeah, she that, can come that along. It has the time limit. So when yeah. you leave that, I would. you've either got the choice of if it's only an hour, you can go, oh, let's have a quick drink and then leave. Yeah. Or you might... Personally, I prefer a quick drink beforehand because then it means 
after that i'm i'm busy i'm doing yeah, something else i get it and um, moving away from going for drinks on first dates coffee. and stuff like that yeah i mean even that like unless you're doing it anyway mm. i just i just think it's an antiquated way of dating it's like mm. listen i'm busy right i have a lot going on in my life which is honest and if you don't have a lot going on in your life you need to work on it to make sure you are um, I'd like to see you again. I'm only free at this time. And if that doesn't work for her, then that's fine. Yeah. Like if that's a red flag for her, then she's entitled to feel that way. And if she doesn't get back to you by the set time, that's a red flag for you. And you're yeah. entitled to feel that way. Yeah. So they're both, they're both relevant. It just means you're not compatible, yeah. but it saves you who are predominantly our clients going through all this pain unnecessarily. Yeah. I think this just comes down to lifestyle, isn't it? So mm. if I was to go, when I have gone to candle making or, or any of these things, it's very much a case of my lifestyle would be I'd go for a coffee beforehand mm. anyway. So yeah, I would invite her, let's go for a coffee. And then I am mm. taking her there rather yeah. than her meeting me there. That's kind of my oh, I get thing. It. And that completely makes sense. Yeah. This sort of bridges onto the next data point, which is intimacy. Now I'm going to give a stat on intimacy, which is that it should be 100% of the time. Now, what do I mean by that stat? Well, I mean that if you're spending time with a girl and you've gone on a few dates together and you're you're sort of conveying the right things about yourself, you're being honest and all these things are, are, are natural, that it would be natural for that to progress to intimacy. But the, the caveat here being that it should be the woman that wants intimacy with you. And the reason for this is many different reasons, but predominantly, if you take intimacy off the table and you stop trying to be intimate with a woman, what will happen is it will happen naturally. And when it happens naturally, that's the way it should happen. So yes, you may need some training or coaching on, you know, touching a woman at the right time or allowing her to touch you for the first time, all these sort of base level areas. But essentially intimacy will take care of itself because the guy that's trying to be intimate is trying to touch her too quickly, trying to do all these things. It's like you're just killing the dating ritual, right? Whereas if you're relaxed and having fun, you're more likely to be spontaneous, have a dance, have a laugh, crazy golf, whatever it may be, have fun, whatever it is. And those things are conducive to sexual attraction, not the guy that's rigid, that's trying to move to intimacy. So when we say like it's 100% of the time, what we mean by that is that if you're spending time with a woman 100% of the time, it should happen naturally. And the woman should be essentially at showing to you with eye contact, body language, all of these things that she likes you. And, you know, we even go as far as to say that allow a woman to move to kiss you for the first time or touching you for the first time, because then that way it's abundantly clear. But again, this should be a process. This shouldn't happen in five minutes. It should be a process of getting to know each other so you can understand red flags if you feel like this isn't going the right way. But again, this goes back to having the options to be able to do this procedure. So what, what are your thoughts on sort of everything I just... Just yeah, said. no, I, I'm I'm on board with that. I I think um, one thing which I I I say to clients is a woman should break the touch barrier first, and the reason behind that is if a woman's broken the touch barrier, that's kind of it's not consent, but it's kind of like if you touch somebody without mm. their consent, then yeah. you're, you're doing something wrong. Whereas mm. if she's touched you, if you don't consent to it, then obviously that's slightly different. Chances are, in yeah. this scenario, you're going to consent to it. That's that's showing that she's comfortable with touch. Yeah. Now, obviously, again, we train certain touch in certain places at certain times. There's 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 a quite a lot of nuance there. But the greatest analogy that I've had, and it's a little bit niche, but um, my tango teacher once said, "Tango's not a lead dance; it's an invitation dance." 
And I went, that's great. Because mm. if you, for example, will say, oh, I'll teach you this dance move and hold out your hand. You're inviting her to touch you. Mm. You're not touching her. Mm. You're not leading her. 100%. Well, that's the kind of thing we do as well with mm. the first touch is we put our hand out and if a girl likes you, she'll take your hand. So you're inviting her. But I like that. That's a nice nice way of saying it you're inviting her to intimacy you're inviting her to touch you're inviting her to join you you're already doing these things and you're inviting her mm. on your path which is as we know super attractive yeah i mean the, the invitation i mean we we usually teach leading and i think leading is massive but leading by doing yeah, and inviting someone to join i yeah. think is well that's powerful. the difference between what we're saying about dates like you know, if you say to a girl, oh, what are you doing Thursday? Let's do this together. You're not leading, are you? You're you're essentially trying to change your behavior to please her or to see her. That's not leading. Leading is I'm doing this. Would you like to join yeah. me? That's leading. And that is attractive because they're, they're, you're, they're then around someone who's a leader. But another guy that's like, oh, are you free Wednesday? Great. Let's go for drinks. Yeah. Like, Or when are you free? Yeah. When are you free? When are you free? Yeah. Oh, right. I'm doing this on that day. That's the worst like, text you can send to someone. Or when even in free? person. <laughs> it's like, no, I'm free on these times. And if she's not free, don't see her. So my, don't change your plans. Yeah, my, my, um, this, this was what I used to do a while ago was I would know somebody likes me. I like them, hmm. but our schedules were quite hard to match up. So there might be like one day a week where we matched yeah. up. So I would be like, what am I doing on that day? And I'll mm. try and make myself do something on mm. that day in order to invite yeah. her. And now I'm like, actually, if I know she's busy uh. seven, six out of seven days, and I, or she's busy three out of seven days and mm. I'm busy the rest of the time, why am I trying to meet her? Well, and I think that's yeah. the... And yes, you can still... If, if there is a match there and there is that one day, yeah. but I would probably just be like, look, I'm free on these yeah. days at this time most weeks. Here's my number. Yeah. If you are ever free, text me. Otherwise, don't bother. Well, I I wouldn't extend the option that long because in my experience, women will change their plans to spend time with you. Mm. Like why do women cancel on guys? Because they get a better option, right? So I I, I wouldn't keep the option open. I would probably only offer once. Mm. And I'd probably say that to someone. I'd say, you know, or I've taught my clients to say this, you know, I'm only available this Thursday. If that's true, I'm only available this Thursday. So message me from Germany. What happens if I can't make it? Then you're not going to see me. It's like, Bearing in mind, we know that women tend to want to keep their options open and decide what they want to do when they've got all their options. But you don't want that. You want to know, mm. do you want to spend time with me? So I, I'd much rather say I'm only free on this time. And if they can't do it, then they won't. But they always will. If they like you, they will mm. always change their plans. So, so, the, so the actual process. So this is something which I just live on podcast learning something. So what I should be doing is instead of take my number in that sense, it should be I'm free on this date. Yeah. And then if they what the, if they want to meet you but they're busy they normally just say I'm I'm busy and they would give you another day which obviously if you're mm. not busy you're like it's there get my words out if you are busy on the day they offer and mm. even then I probably wouldn't agree to it anyway because I'm probably doing something else it should be like this is when I'm free mm. if you're not free then then we're just not going to meet no yeah so what I would do is I'd say um, it's been nice to meet you I'm I'm free I'm only free on Thursday night. Um, or Thursday evening, I'm there's a I'm gonna go suit suit shopping at like six, join me. And if they go, oh, I've already got plans, I'll be like, oh okay, don't worry then. And if they say to you, What about any other time? I've got a really busy schedule, so it's just not gonna work. Yeah. And yeah, then they'll be sense. like and then they'll be like, What? You mean like so uh, uh, and I'm like, that's the only time. So you can take my number and let me know by midday tomorrow. But if it's not then, then you know, there's no point. And then they go, oh, I'm not sure. And I'm like, if you're not sure, then I'm not going to give you my number. That's it. And I won't. And, and I will walk away because you walk away from that. 
already knowing you're going to be meeting another 13 women this week that you like anyway. So it's like you want someone to say, do you know what? I'll change my plans to see you. Yeah. That's the way you want it to be. A girl's like, do you know what? Yeah, I'm supposed to be doing this, but I can cancel on them. Because as we know, guys get cancelled all the time anyway. So would you rather be the guy that gets cancelled on or would you rather be the guy that they're cancelling on someone else for? And it's obvious, isn't it? Yeah. You want to be the primary dating option. And the way you do that is by limiting your availability. I'm only free on this time. And walking away and saying that even if it's your daytime approach, you're speaking to mm -hmm. a girl and you say to her, I'm only free on Thursday. She goes, oh, I can't do it. Okay, no worries. And as you go, oh, have you got social media? There's no point in, in giving you my social media. That's the only time I'm free. Yeah. I think I think the, and it's exactly the same thing, like 100%. The one time where you don't get a, a little bit more from the girl is when you know when she knows she's going to see you again. Whether mm. that's because she works in a bar or a cafe that you 100%. frequent all the time, she's probably not going to be like, "Oh, I'm free on this time" because she knows you're going to see you again. She's either going to try and tie you up in that place mm. because why not, or she's going to expect to be asked out again. Mm. So I think, and this is where you make it clear: it's this time or not at all. Yeah, hundred um, percent. You just yeah. say, I, "I, I mean, if you're asking a girl out in a cafe or somewhere you frequent." I'd be like, you know, it's quite fun seeing you here, but let's, let's, you know, let's do a, a night out or let's do this together. And if they say, oh, I'm not sure, I'd say this is a one-time only offer. Yeah, it's, either, exactly, it's either yeah. a yes or a no. Yeah. You know, I, I don't go on, I don't go on dates with people that aren't sure if they want to go on a date. So if you're not sure, let's just leave it there. And I'd just say that, let's just leave it there. So I would make the decision for them. Yeah. If it's, oh, I'm not sure, then don't worry about it. Yeah, because no, they might be playing a little bit hard to get them. I go, no, no, no. Actually, no. I can go. I can go. But you want to know, right? Yeah. And you, then if you need it, you need to be clarified. Yeah. And if a woman does cancel your date, so two things on dates: if they turn up late, leave. Don't wait. And if they cancel the date, don't organise another one. That's it. Because there's no reason for cancelling yeah. a date. If they really want, if they were getting paid a million pounds to be there at eight o'clock. They'd be there. And this goes back to invite them to something you're already doing. So if you already go suit shopping and they're late, they can just join you wherever you're doing anyway. But if you're like most guys and you're meeting them in a bar, you'll be sat there for half an hour being desperate and waiting. Yeah. I wouldn't wait because first of all, I wouldn't be in that situation anyway. So yeah, I'm really, I'd be, I'm so tight on this. Like don't waste my time. Like either you're into it or you're not. And what you find is that the girls that are into it are into it and the ones that aren't, it's a red flag and you yeah. save yourself pain. It's a red flag. Yeah. I mean, just on this note, there was, um, there was a, a client I, I coached ages ago where he was meeting a girl had been chasing him and chasing him and chasing him to go to meet up. And she finally tied him down to go on Halloween night. First of all, she was late. Then she was like, in, even though they'd got tickets to this, to this um, Halloween event, she, <laughs> she was in there for like half an hour looking miserable and turned around and went, you know what? I, I, my boyfriend's got a party back at his place. Let's go there. And then he was like, absolutely not. But took her, he decided he was going to go home. So he walked her to her boyfriend's place and went, all right, see, see you another time and just left her. And mm. I don't think last time I heard he hadn't spoke to her since. Did he know she had a girl, a boyfriend? Yeah, so this was just a girl who were, apparently was just friends. But even so, it's, yeah, you but, should you should hold to a certain even degree. Even then, why are you spending your time with yeah. a girl in a relationship? That doesn't make sense to me either. No, that's, that's just, that's a harboring hope. Like you should be spending your time with women that you want to date. Yeah. Not on the hope that she's going to break up with someone. That's a weird situation anyway. It was a weird situation anyway. But even, yeah. but even just, even if you take it as that. Yeah. And I, it, it's you've still got to hold hold that accountability of mm. like, if you want to spend time with me, you want to spend my time with me. And that's. Mm. Oh yeah. I haven't, I have a zero tolerance with this. And when you, when you follow my approach on this one, you'll find that you'll, you'll get messed about 
none of the time because it's zero tolerance you either mm. want to come or you don't you can let me know now absolute late you can let me know by midday tomorrow mm. if you're late i'm already doing something i don't care anyway if you cancel on me that's it yeah. but you can only do this when you have the self-confidence because you're meeting enough other people that's the only so way you can do this the, the one and I, I know what your answer is going to be but for the for the people <laughs> for the people if for example there's a rail delay mm -hmm. train breaks down someone mm -hmm. so, someone's committed so like whatever mm -hmm. it happens to be yeah and they message you saying, look, mm. this is outside of my control. What do you, what do you, or how do you handle that? So two things on that. So if they message you in advance of, that's different to messaging you at the meeting time. So they're supposed to message you at eight and they message you at eight or five past eight, I'm running late. That's not acceptable. And I would just say, I probably wouldn't reply or I'd say, um, "Don't, I've made other plans now. You weren't here on time. And I just leave. I just, I have no tolerancy yeah. for this. Um, if they message you in advance, that's different. So if they say, listen, there's rail delays or I'm stuck or blah, 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 blah. I would, depending on what I'm doing, I'd probably just say, sure, I'm, I'm shopping anyway. I, I'd put another deadline. So if they're meeting me at six and I'm only closed shopping till eight, then I'd probably say that. I'd message back and say, sure, I'm closed shopping. I'm free till eight. So let me know, you know, let give me a call when you're near. I'll let you know where I am. And I'd keep the 8 p.m. deadline. So if they're late, they're mm -hmm. missing out on spending time with me. Rather than me, yeah. ex rather than me extending my time because yeah. they're late, I would never do that. So if they turn up at ten to eight, then they get ten minutes with you. So. Yeah, <laughs> no, honestly, <laughs> no, yeah. No, or or if it gets to ten to eight, I would just not bother meeting yeah, them. No, There's yeah. not enough time, and then I wouldn't bother again. No. And it's like you know when people, you know the general the general reason you guess oh but they were taking their time getting ready for you. Well then use this as a learning experience to get ready sooner for the next guy that you want to date. Yeah. The, the, the thing is about dating guys that are self-confident is they don't put up with any excuses or any nonsense. There's accountability. And I don't give my time up for anyone yeah. for free. And I've met you. We've had a quick conversation or half hour conversation. I'm inviting you to join me. That's a big enough thing anyway for me if I wanted yeah. to do that. You know what I'm saying? I think, I think on that, I'll, I'm making myself look good for you. Like that's a cop out because of course it is. There's, there's three things which happen. Like, first of all, if I've invited to meet you again, Okay, with the provisor, maybe if you turned up in a tracksuit, I probably don't care exactly. Unless, unless I've given you instructions, yeah. we're doing this, wear this type of outfit. So if we, I don't know if you ever would, we're going rock climbing or we're going to a cocktail bar, you, mm. you're probably going to let them know what, what the attire should be. Mm. But other than that, like if you're meeting after work, put your makeup on before you go to work or at work. Like you can do it on your lunch break. It's just, like it's just, there's, there's ways around it. All it so. is is that they just want you to wait on them. That's mm. the only reason for there is for being late, unless you let someone know in advance. Yeah. Like I've been delayed. I'm really sorry. And they come, should come with an apology. Yeah. I'm sorry I'm running late. If it's I'll be half an hour late and there's no I'm sorry about it, then that's also a red flag as well. Yeah. It's like they expect you to wait. So I'd, I'd reply and say, I won't be here then. Yeah, you know, no, or, or, or I'll be, you know, I'm going to this place. Give me a call when you're here, but I'm only free till seven. Or maybe even, or I may even reply and say, I only had an hour free, so there's no time now. So let's just forget about it. Yeah. And you may think, oh, you're being really out of order. But why? Why should you spend time with someone when they're late and you've given them the full amount of time? It's like imagine coaching a client. You've got an hour consultation call with someone and they're 45 minutes late. You don't give an additional 45 minutes because they haven't paid for that time. Yeah. And it's the same in your dating life. It needs to be run the same way. My time is important. If you want to spend time with me or we share time together, there's mutual respect. I wouldn't be late with your time and I expect the same. Yeah, I mean, that's the key, isn't it? Respect. So if I'm mm. if I'm late for something, now I, I don't like being late anyway, but there's there's a difference between running late because things have come up and you, you have to 
sort of, as you say, apologise and be like, okay, things things are happening. And being late because you're going to an event which is, if, if you get there on time, no one's going to be there. So mm. there's, there is that parity between mm. what you're doing and, and the context. If yeah. we're specifically talking about dating, you should be there on time. I know. Should you be there early? That's a different argument well, I, and it depends yeah. what you're doing. I mean... If time's important to you, it should be in your dating life. You should say this when you meet a girl and you're exchanging numbers. So I'd say to her, listen, we'll, you know, so we're going to meet on Thursday, on Thursday at six or whatever. By the way, I only have an hour free. So if you're late, there's probably no point in coming. That's what I would say. Yeah. And I'd let them know at the start. You know, that's all the time I have. So if you're late, there's no point in turning up. That yeah, I mean, the number, the number of clients who like complain about time management, basically. The number of them, and you can hear this in like um, all, all over the standard media channels of, time management in general how people of the younger generations time management are terrible i actually disagree with that mm. i actually think everybody if they don't care it doesn't matter what generation you're talking about their time management that's, and that's, that's exactly, the key yeah. if you don't care you don't have the respect so you don't do it that's exactly it. You, you they're only not on time because they don't respect your boundary and they don't respect you which means they don't really you know they're going there because of lack of other options that's the truth because if the option was high enough if i was going to give someone a million pounds they would be there at that time there'd be no excuse There'd be no rail delays. They'd be in an Uber. They would move heaven and earth to be there on time. But if it's a day, it's like, oh, I'll be there half an hour late. Or it's almost expected. Like, oh, oh, you get the old, oh, I'm South American. You know, I'm Latino. We're always late on dates. That doesn't work for me. In mm. which case, that's a red flag. Because that is going to annoy me, the whole relationship, which is never going to work. Yeah, well, the, I'm from, the, this is a big one. I'm from the Caribbean. We're so laid back that we don't, we just take our time. Then don't worry about it. Oh, yeah. It's not going to work <laughs> yeah. then. Like, don't even bother coming on the date. Yeah. There has to be a zero tolerance here. Mm. Only, as we say, if you're meeting enough people, because otherwise you fall into the trap. Because if you allow someone to be late, they're pushing that boundary. They'll then start pushing other boundaries. If you've got no other options, you're then in a very unhappy relationship. Okay, so the next the next data point I wanted to talk about was post-intimacy. So this is after you've had sex together, right? And we have a um, 100% rate on this as well, which is... After you've been intimate with a girl and you've had sex together or whatever, 100% of the time, she should want to spend time with you again. So that's a non-negotiable 100% of the time. Again, the only reason why she wouldn't want to spend time with you is if you've done something that's put her off or you've done something that's like unattractive to her during that process. So if you're someone who's having sex with a woman the first time and they don't want to see you again, what are some of the reasons you think why that could be, Pete, for like, you know, the everyday man? So I think, so I think touching on the the obvious is selfishness in bed, not being good in bed. Mm -hmm. um, that's especially if it's if you're less experienced, that can be can be a thing. How do you get over that? There's ways and means. Read up, mm -hmm. listen to, watch. Outside of that, it could literally be as something as silly as your bedroom's too messy, mm -hmm. or you've got something in your room which is mm -hmm. wrong. So I would. Look at the first first port of call for me is always look at the environment. Yeah. Now, does that mean that you can't be a little bit chaotic in your bedroom? That's no, not a course. problem. Yeah. It's about do you have dirty underwear thrown everywhere? That probably is. Well, it, so there's there's, yeah. there's there's make sure your environment's a state that you're willing to bring somebody in. And my my personal view is if I wouldn't invite my grandma to my room, I shouldn't be inviting a girl. Mm. That's an interesting point because, you know, one of my clients was saying that he, when he first started dating this girl, she went back to his house and she was like, oh, you live here. 
because he was like a really successful guy, but was renting somewhere that was like not in keeping with him. And he was like, she's right. I need to move somewhere better. And he upgraded where he lived. And that's another good point, isn't it? It's like, if like you're, uh, you know, you're very attractive to women, then you, they come back to your apartment and it's very underwhelming. That's on you again. It's like, well, why aren't you living somewhere better? Why aren't you earning more money? Why isn't your life on order? And that's important because the first time she comes back to your apartment, this all becomes apparent that your mm. life isn't in order and perhaps you're not as attractive or confident as she wants you to be. Yeah. Yeah. So I think that's a, I mean, obviously you can take, take the, I mean, with sex as well, generally is, you know, the more intimacy between two people, the more synergy there is anyway. Yeah. So it's, it's less, I mean, it's unlikely to be really bad sex, I would say, as to why yeah. she doesn't want to see you again. It's more likely to be like, you've conveyed things about yourself that aren't true. You weren't up front at the start. Like you didn't have boundaries. Do you know what I'm saying? Like there's many different right, reasons why. Yeah. But ultimately, if you're having intimacy and you're not wanting to spend time, she doesn't want to spend time with you again. It's on you. Uh, excuse yeah. me. Yeah, I I agree. I think I think we we've touched on the on the main ones. I think occasionally, occasionally it's because they're and this this is more the the edge cases. Occasionally it's because they jumped into something they got a bit over overexcited. And hopefully you 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 follow the training we do where you you're not chasing intimacy mm -hmm. and you end up and it happens naturally. In which case this shouldn't come up. Mm -hmm. But occasionally they feel shame afterwards, mm -hmm. so they they back away from it. Mm -hmm. uh, that could be a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. That could be just the way they're brought up. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's they're just one to one night stand. Mm -hmm. So these are edge cases. Well, but I sometimes think, yeah. sometimes if that is the edge case, you can't take it personally. But you should yeah. still look at yourself first. Yeah, I mean, I, I wasn't necessarily refer referring to one night stands because mm. that's completely different. I think that our strategy is like first mm. date, second date, yeah. slow things down, don't speed them up. Yeah, you know, because most of our clients are in their forties and they've kind of done that before anyway, right? So it's yeah. like you can get rid of those ones and start thinking about more compatibility and relationship-wise. And I think the yeah, it's probably down to is is your house or apartment or whatever it may be match the expectations you've set? And in truth, it probably doesn't, which means you've probably lied about yourself earlier on, which means you haven't been open and honest, which is what we advocate anyway. So it goes back to the conversation stuff. If you're not competent in a 90 minute conversation, what you tend to then do is lie about things, big yourself up, start telling stories that are a little bit fictitious, all in the hope of making yourself sound better. Whereas if your life's in order, you've got things going on, that all takes care of itself and the expectation meet, meets reality. So that's probably the biggest thing. If you're sleeping with women and you're not seeing them again or they don't want to see you again, it's because the reality and what you've made the expectations don't match. Yeah. Clearly. I think, um, so there's, there's a couple of things on top of this. So <clears throat> I had a client who would never take a girl home to his place he'd always go to hers first now that might be they go and they, they cook a meal at hers and then spend the night and go intimate that way however it ends up manifesting if they don't want to see you after that would i i personally this is my opinion would be you're probably conveying something through conversation or mannerisms so maybe mm. you're getting too too keen too soon maybe you're showing girlfriend yeah. or, or relationship vibes 100%. on the first time that's yeah. kind of what i would yeah 100 percent. it's like you, you have sex for the first time and then you start talking about oh let's go on holiday together mm. let's do this let's do that so the desperate yeah. needy self comes through again yeah like 100 percent. and again that only comes if you don't have other options because if that's the first time you've been intimate and you're you know dating a few other people which i would say is healthy then you're not going to feel like that you're going to be like well let's just see where this goes right and that, that's an, another interesting thing here as well about 
this is a sidebar of what we're actually talking about, but a lot of women try and put their expectations on you. And a lot of guys don't have the confidence to, to disagree with it. So an example being when you first meet a girl and they say like, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not really interested in sort of just intimacy with someone. I would want a relationship with them. And that's exactly what I want. Right. So if you're, if you're a weak guy, then you'd agree with her and be like, yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly what I want. But if you're a self-confident guy, you'd say, well, hang on a minute. Like we've just met and you can't put that expectation on me because I don't know you that well and you don't know me that well. And this is an unfolding process where if we're intimate together, that's the next stage of yeah. relationship. But that doesn't mean I'm guaranteeing to date you. That's a massive red flag. Oh, 100%. If someone's like, oh, if we have sex, we're in a relationship. It's like, well, that's a massive red flag. Unless you feel like that. If that's what you feel and that's important to you, you're like that intimacy step for you as a relationship, that's absolutely fine. But if it's not, you need to have the self-conscious say, do you know what? Let's just leave this here because yeah. this isn't going to work because you're putting an expectation on me, which is like, what? We have sex, we're in a relationship, but I don't know you that well. Like this is, where, where do you feel sit with this? Oh, I mean, my, my personal experience was I, I went on a date with, um, with a girl and she invited me back to hers at the end of the date got to the threshold of her door and was like i don't have sex before in a relationship so we've got to be in a relationship first and i said that's not going to work for me because yeah. for me personally i i feel like and i feel like this is a, a sort of respect thing as well but if if there's something wrong with any part of the relationship and sex is a big part of the relationship mm. if there's something wrong there the rest of the relationship the rest yeah. of the relationship is going to break down so if you're asking me to get in a relationship before I know sexual compatibility, mm. I'm just not interested because mm. I don't want to get there and then realize that we're not compatible in that area. That, 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 that's exactly it. It's almost like in the past they've had sex with a guy and he's left them. And now it's like, well, if you want to have sex with me, these are the terms. Now, if that's what she's saying, mm. that's on her. There's no yeah. problem with that. Exactly, I don't have yeah. a problem with that at all. If that's a red flag for her, then 100%, then that's the way she feels. That's yeah. the way that's fair for her. The problem comes when guys aren't weak, are too weak, where they say, yeah, no, I feel the same, when they don't. Because yeah. then you're setting false expectations and you're going to create problems. So if that's what she feels, that's absolutely fine. There's yeah. no problem with that. And I'll, I'll clarify that story because, or continue that story, because I, I said that's, that's, not, that's not good for me. But we, we ended up like um, going in and having, having, a, having some food and we, we left on good terms because that's it's exactly what you said. Like, in terms of dating, we were on the opposite side of that. So we were each showing a red flag to each other, but we still got on. It's not yeah. like they suddenly become a bad person. We it's just didn't, it wasn't right for it's us. It's not compatible. And I think that's, that's, a, that's a thing to clarify is just because it's a red flag doesn't mm. make them a terrible person. No. Sometimes it can do. No, no, no. I don't think it does at all. It just means you're not compatible. Yeah. And I think when it, also in a really interesting point here, when it comes to consent with people, mm. I think that consent is important if both people as well as consent if both people are being honest mm. because it's like if you're lying either a woman that's lying to get a guy in bed or in a relationship or a, a guy that's lying to get a woman in bed right you're not being honest and you're lying why are you lying and it's because you think that's going to get in the way of what you want and that's mm. really really unhealthy and that sets the wrong expectation at the start that's why you have to be clear about what do i want from this and what am I willing to do? So if you're a woman and you're not comfortable sleeping with someone unless there's some kind of commitment, that's absolutely fine. If you're a guy and you're like, I'm not comfortable sleeping with you if you feel that that's a commitment, that's absolutely fine. You're just not compatible, yeah. right? 
But that needs to be discussed sooner rather than later. That type of discussion should be in the first 20 minutes, half an hour, where you're in conversation with someone and you say, oh, I went on a date last week and the girl I was dating thought that sex meant a relationship and I don't feel like that. You're then going to get her honest response at the start. What you're not going to do is commit six hours and then at the end say it and you're not compatible. So yeah. these types of things need to be said sooner in the interaction, not later. So just just to put it in a more succinct way, you want to be disqualifying people based upon whether or not yeah. you're there, whether or not they're compatible with you or vice versa. Absolutely. To save everyone time. Like they can disqualify you. That's fine. Yeah. You can disqualify them because both of you can go out and meet someone else. You have options. You don't have to date this person. But I think it's important, like from a guy's point of view, just be open and honest about what you're looking for. Mm. And if they're not into it, they're not into it. My experience of this is that if you're confident and you're attractive and a girl likes you, there'll be an openness to kind of some kind of solution where you can date each other or see where it goes. You know, or a girl might say, you know what, like, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe it's because the previous guy hurt me, blah, blah, blah. And you say, well, listen, let's just take it slow anyway. Let's just have another date or two and see where it goes. We can, we can take intimacy off the table because you should want to spend time with someone anyway, yeah. right? So you, if you're, as a guy, if you're not sure, always pause and take a step back. Yeah. So if you feel like it's going too fast for either of you, just take a step back and say, do you know what? Let's just leave this here. Let's go out for another drink or another date or whatever it is at a later date. That's the healthiest way of doing it. Because otherwise you fall into the fall into the trap of having the wrong expectations and trying to live them out. Just pause for a second and say, let's leave this here and let's talk about it another time. I think that's the healthiest way of managing them. Yeah, no, I agree. I mean, the other, the other trap is trying to force your ideals onto someone, whether yeah. that's, no, that's absolutely not out of order, absolutely not what I want, rather than taking that step back and being like, okay, do I like this person? Yeah. Is there is there some way of, like you say, working around it? Because it might just be a trust thing, in which case, if it's a trust thing, then that's not actually a red flag. 100%. That's actually just a, we build the trust first. Yeah. And there should be trust in before intimacy anyway, to maybe not deep, full-on trust of, everything in your life but there should be a level of trust before you go through each stage but trust should build and build and build that, over that's, time. that's exactly true and this is what i'm saying like taking things slower is definitely the way forward rather than because every other guy is trying to push for intimacy as quickly mm -hmm. as possible so having shorter dates over a period of time allows you to evaluate each other with yeah. space and time to miss each other and actually have a nice relationship yeah um just just, just one other point on this is um It's gone. Um, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> so the, the next data point was the relationships. Did we talk about 50% of relationships or not? Or no, we haven't gone there Okay. Yet. So the next data point was that out of everyone that you're um, intimate with, 50% you should want to have a relationship with. So this isn't about a woman anymore. This is about you. And the reason why this stat's important is because what you don't want to do is live through a cycle of your life where you're spending all these times dating, getting to intimacy once or twice, and then not wanting to date the woman afterwards, right? Because that indicates that there's something wrong at the, the top of where you're meeting women. So if you're someone that sleeps around a lot and you can never really find the right relationship, that's a red flag on yourself. So at least 50% of the women that you're actively intimate with, you should want to have some kind of relationship with. And if you don't, then that's a big data point that's going to prevent you from being authentic and and having a nice relationship. What are, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean... It, it's it's interesting that the stat is 50% based upon based on the, the clients and everything is because 
personal experience tells me it should be higher. Mm. But I kind of I kind of understand it. But, it's that yeah. it's that thing of like you can see what it is. Mm. And I, and I think that's the thing. It's it's having it's being able to know what what the red flags are yeah. in order to because you might you might have intimacy and then they're too keen or they're too overbearing. So you've got to find that sort of balance. Well, I think it's slightly maybe slightly different to that. I think this is more about not allowing your sort of ancient brain to take control of you, which is why spacing out dates and not trying to move to intimacy too quickly mm -hmm. is helpful because, you know, a lot of people say, oh, we're pre-wired to, you know, men are pre-wired to sleep with as many women as possible. And it's like, well, that's the ancient part of the brain, right? Yeah. So you can't tell me that every guy acts on those impulses. They don't, right? So that's just an easy excuse for guys oh, I was cheating or I want to sleep with, or my testosterone levels are high, so I need to like sleep with loads of different women. That's not true, okay? You just have no self-control yeah. and you don't have self-control because you don't give yourself time because you're so desperate to go to intimacy quickly. So if you follow the, the route to intimacy, which is dating and a mating ritual, mm -hmm. you allow yourself space and time where you realize, do you know what? Actually, I don't want to be intimate with this woman. And I think that's the point. I think there's a difference between instinctive attraction and connection. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest thing guys need to learn about. It's like, yeah, you might be very attracted to a woman, but when you're very attracted, you're going to miss out on all of the red flags that are there. Whereas if you space out your dates, is she late on a date? Is she, what's the conversation that she's talking about? Does she meet your expectations here? Are you meeting her expectations? There's actually more chance for it to go wrong, but actually it's a better way of doing it because you're not getting the going to intimacy and then having the wealth of problems that come with that, which is, you know, you, a lot of guys, you know, you only wanted to see me to have sex with me and stuff like this. Like you don't want to be allowing a woman to feel like that. And it's true. So the only way to, to mitigate that is to how you handle your relationships in a way at the start, where if it doesn't work out, a woman is happy to recommend you to one of her other friends. Listen, it didn't work out with this guy. Actually, we didn't end up hooking up, but he's a really cool guy perhaps you should like him. That's the type of life that you want. Whereas most other guys are quick to intimacy and quick to move on, which is the wrong thing to do. You mm. want to be slow to intimacy. Do you, do you see yeah, what I'm no, saying? Yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, it makes way more sense. But you have to be, you have to have self-control not to try and move to intimacy quickly. How do you have self-control is a good question. Oh, we'll get onto that after, before you, after your point. But yeah, no, how no, do you my have point was that. <laughs> yeah, so how do you have self-control? I think that, there's a few really good points on this. So there's two that, that I can think of in my initial assumption, but we can get into this in another episode. Number one is that when you're younger and you have sex for the first time or you have some kind of intimacy with a woman, you have a very heightened state at that time. And what often happens is you fantasize about replicating that exact part of sex throughout the rest of your life. So the first thing is to recognize, hang on a minute, I'm trying to recreate something from the past, which is breaking the attachment, right? If you do that, you become less best. Because imagine like the first time you have sex with a girl, you, you, you have uh, an experience of doing something a certain way, and then you idolize that moment and you fantasize about it all the time, right? So realizing it, that that's a fantasy is the first step, right? So breaking your attachment to it. The second thing is consuming less porn, because if you watch less porn, you're going to be less desperate and, and try hard with it. The third one, which is linked to both all of these, is what do you put your attention on? So if you're someone who's fantasizing about sex all the time, 
then your urgency for sex with women is going to go up. So what you need to learn to do is to control your fantasies and your urges and focus on other parts of your life. So if you're looking this way about fantasizing about a specific type of sex all the time, then all of a sudden you get into doing a triathlon and now you're too busy and you're looking in this direction. Guess what? The desperate fantasy, whatever it may be, is left behind. So again, it's breaking that attachment towards sex. But if you consume porn, you're going to keep that attachment in place. Does that answer your question? Oh no no yeah my my it was my, oh. my point was basically that. Oh, okay yeah. <laughs> I I was going to word it slightly differently but yeah it's basic basically that. I think just just to touch on everything like if you're following all the data points we've gone through so far you're naturally going to be in a in in a better state to start with before you implement what what you just said. I think yeah. that's another thing. One thing I implement in my life and maybe this is overkill but this is for each individual to do is I journal daily to start mm. with. So if I go on a date or if I get intimate with somebody, I might journal on what what happened in order to, I don't want to say overthink or analyze, but like in order to understand and see if there's any red flags, whether it's from yeah. me or them. Yeah. And it's in order to understand how I actually feel. Because the number of times like past in the past, I would go through and go on a date and then assume, I mean, I, I, mean, I remember you saying after I, I ended a relationship that, the red flags were there six months before end of the relationship mm. and I just didn't see them. Yeah. Whereas now if I journal it and be like, mm. actually this is out of order yeah. and then be like, is this a, a complete, and, well, and you end yeah. up getting to that place. And this, and this mm. is at every stage as well, but after intimacy, you can sort of understand where you're at as well. Mm. And this is where I agree with like the 50% rule. I still think that I, a lot of the people I spend time, I actually give my time to, mm. I would happily give my time to post intimacy mm. as well, which is why I, from a yeah. personal perspective, I, I tend not to get to the point of intimacy unless it's going yeah. to go further. Well, that, but that's an interesting point as well, like what you just said about the journaling part mm. of it. So there's enough evidence to suggest that a lack of clarity affects your nervous system in a, in a negative way. So what I mean by that is that if you go on a date and it's a bit blurry, you're not quite sure what happened and then she doesn't get back to you or whatever, you don't see her again, your nervous system's going to go into hyperdrive. It's likely to make you sick and mess up future dates. If you do what you say, which is to journal about it, you want to journal about the facts. So mm. what actually happened? What were the facts? What time did I turn up? What did we, like as many facts as you can. You want to journal about the emotion you felt at the time and the emotion you feel now. And the evidence on this suggests you want to do it four days in a row. If you do it four okay. days in a row, what happens is on the fourth by the fourth day, it turns into a positive experience and calms your nervous system. So with journaling, often it's four day windows. You can do it once a week for four weeks, but any type of emotional distress, that's a way of doing it. And it stops you getting sick in the long run. There's enough evidence to say that exercise stops you getting sick. There's actually just as much evidence to suggest that journaling and calming your nervous system also stops you being sick. Yeah, so so my um my second thing here was um this is part question. I, I've kind of come up with a solution myself, but it's it's good to get your your uh, opinion because I haven't fully clarified this one yet. But the number of times I've been unsure how I feel, and this is part of the reason for the journaling. Mm -hmm. But it might be uh I I see somebody I find them attractive, but there's something I'm not sure about, and I'm like, do I take the risk and go anyway, or do I not? Or mm -hmm. it could be after intimacy of. Mm -hmm. Do I want to? Do I want to potentially take this further into a relationship, or mm -hmm. is this going to end now? Or mm -hmm. maybe even do we just keep it casual yeah, if that's yeah. the right route? And you end up with this of what do I want out of this situation? 
And in yeah. these moments, what what would you recommend well, doing? What you've said comes from eco- an e- e- ecological approach, which is essentially as human beings, we weigh up the, the effort mm. reward ratio. So what you're doing in this situation is you're trying to work out is the effort worth the reward? Let me give you an everyday example. If you're a guy and you're going on a night out to meet women and you're in a bar and the bar's empty, you go, let's leave here and go to another bar where we can potentially meet women. Whereas the evidence suggests that staying where you are, you're just as likely to meet someone. But because you're wired in that way of the ecological system you're in, you're trying to work out basically per calorie, does this make sense? So for you, you're weighing up what type of effort do I want to put into this? Do I want to put the effort into making this a proper relationship? Do I want to put the effort into making this casual? What I would say if you're one of my clients is don't do any of that and actually put your effort into having fun. So yeah. any conversation about a relationship, I feel a woman should have with, with you, not the other way around. So rather than thinking, do I want this? Do I want that? If you're enjoying spending time with her, I'm doing this next week. Draw me on doing it. Focus your energy on having doing the things you're doing and having fun and let her have the conversation with you about dating you. That's a better way of doing it. Yeah. So again, that's more or less where I got to. I think that this was a few years ago now where um, that was basically what I was doing and I'd come to the same conclusion. And I had, or I say I had, she brought up that conversation of what are we doing? Like, I, I don't care what we're doing. I just want to know what we're doing. And I didn't have an answer to that. Mm. So in that situation... I mean, personally, I just said, I don't know what you like. Well, I think that that's, that's the mistake Mm. that you have there saying, I don't know. I mean, that's a really, that's like a red flag to any woman, right? So if a woman says to you, like, you know, where do you see this going in a relationship? Just be honest and say, do you know what? I mean, at this stage, I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying spending time with you. And I haven't thought past that because I don't believe in thinking past that. And if yeah. she goes, well, I and then say, what were you thinking? And she, well, I was thinking maybe we could, you know, start doing this, start doing that. Okay, I understand how you feel. I just need to get, have some time to think about it. But you definitely need an answer. Yeah. Like, I'm not sure is the worst answer. Yeah, to no, this yeah. is, this. I mean, yeah, yeah. I remember having this exact conversation with you, what was yeah. it, back in 2019 or 2020. Okay. You're like, and no. it was, <laughs> I was like, I don't, oh. it's, it's back when you, you've not hit that it, yeah. before and you don't know even, how to handle it. Even if you're not sure, there's a way of speaking, mm. it's a public speaking technique where you, you speak with authority. So you slow down your last few words. So even if you're bimbling, so this girl goes to you like, where's this going? And you're not sure. You could be like, oh, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm... Yeah, I'm I'm not really sure. Um, but you know what? I'm enjoying spending time with you now and I'm open to seeing where it goes. Right, there's conviction there. Yeah. Whereas if you go, I'm not sure, it's fine <laughs> yeah, to start yeah. like that, but there's got to be some kind of answer there. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think, ooh, my voice just went. Yeah, <laughs> that's the exact voice which happens. <clears throat> so I think um, there's a bit of power in this as well because clarifying what it is you want mm. is actually really important. And that mm. doesn't mean I want a relationship. That yeah. means what is it you you want in your life? What is mm. the lifestyle you want? Mm. You want to have fun or do you want to have this type of, so you're, you're yeah. doing all these things yeah. and somebody's joining you for part of it well, or all of it or, or whatever. Yeah. And what is it that you're actively looking for? But, but that's, but that's the point. You're not, mm. the, that's the point. The mm. point is I'm doing all the things I want to do in my life. And I'm allowing you the option of joining you because I'm having fun and my life is perfect because I've organized it that way. So from the moment I wake up to the moment I go to bed, I'm doing all the things I want to do. If you can't do that, then you need to work on your lifestyle design. But if you are doing all the things that you love doing, then why wouldn't someone want to spend time with you? And I'm like, think about it another way. 
if you're, you know, a lot of guys like they go and join a girl and her friends on a night out. Why would you do that? The only reason you do that is because you've got nothing else going on in your life. That's very unattractive. It's like your life should be, I get up in the morning, I do whatever I want till I go to bed, right? And I have a whale of a time. If you want to join me, join me. If you're not like that, it's because your life's not in order and you need to work on some kind of self-development, learning a new skill, whatever it may be, changing jobs, changing location, whatever it is, it's within you to change it. And you should be, listen, we all have traumas in our life. We have things that go wrong. Yes, for a period of time, you can be miserable, you can be negative, I know that you feel like I can be like that sometimes. Um, But that's not my base level. I may stay down for a period of time. I may shrink for a period of time, but I will always come back stronger. And when you come back stronger, your whole frame changes. So yes, you want to take the hits. Yes, you want to be out of your comfort zone. But generally speaking, you should be living a life of luxury where someone wants to join you. Yeah. And I think... I think the biggest thing, like, and this going back to clients and things, the biggest pushback you get from our generated lifestyle is where where do I start? And it's like, well, okay, so I do something. Mm. I mean, what, what do I have? One, maybe two evenings a week where mm. I'm quote unquote free. I mean, in reality, that's my downtime to do whatever else I want to do. Occasionally, that's stick FIFA on and spank you six mm-hmm. nil or whatever it is. Or sometimes it's like um, just sit sit back and read a book or or on the very very rare occasion put a film on that's still being busy mm. because it's doing what i want to do mm. so how do you get to that lifestyle stage now personally my my response is if you if you feel overwhelmed filling your week pick one day a week and fill it mm. and find something that you want to do that day mm. and it shouldn't be your downtime day you should that should be the last thing you feel yeah. and so one client and and I know we spoke about him before. He he decided he was going to do salsa lessons, and he did. He went to his first salsa lesson, and even though it was two weeks ago, first thing he came, he said on the call, and his energy levels were through the roof. Mm-hmm. He was bouncing off the yeah, walls, yeah. and this was from two weeks ago. And he's like, "I am never not dancing again in my yeah. life." <laughs> Absolutely. And now he's looking for other things to do for the rest of yeah. his week. Because once you fill your week, mm. as you say, suddenly your life's in order. Well, I, I think and it's that, yeah. focus on the one and then build out. That, that's such good advice. Rather than being overwhelmed or start off with one evening a week. You've got yeah. one free evening. Fill it. Find something that you love doing. As you know, I've never done gymnastic or acrobatics before. And it's something I'm going to be pursuing next year because it's an area I've not looked at. And I'm probably going to do a couple of one-to-ones a week because why not? With regards to like your life being completely ordered, I think that's the final destination. I don't think you ever get yeah. there. I think most of the time, like, if you're 80% there and working on the final 20%, that's a good place to be in. So yeah. you're never going to be perfect. Yeah. And the other thing which I, I always say to clients when, when, they're, when they're starting to implement it, because... Uh, a lot, of, a lot of the time, they get they get into something and they or they try something and then they might do it for two or three weeks mm. and they're like, oh, it's not really for me and yeah, yeah. And then then they feel down because they've they haven't filled that day and it's like, well, the point isn't just as you said, the point isn't you find your for everything first. Like, yeah, yeah. find out what you want to do on that day yeah. and it might take you six months to get that thing and then you can fill then the next can, one day yeah. once you. Know, and the second thing is, so the, of the three points, the second thing is. If you have your whole week filled, or even if you don't, if it comes to a point where you no longer love something, I fell out of love with dancing for, what, four years? Mm-hmm. I didn't go dancing for four years. And it was like, okay, don't do it. Yeah, do something Rather than else. forcing yourself to do it because yeah. that's what you do on a day, like, well, do something else. But that, that's, that's, again, like, I feel like that way with martial arts at the moment. I'm kind of full of martial arts. I want to give it a break and go mm-hmm. into doing something different. And then I know I'll come back. Yeah, exactly. And um, 
I think that the third thing is like, and we we touched on this recently, where sometimes you you have a week where you just don't want to do anything, or sometimes it's even a yeah. month. But like, yeah. it's it, 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 everyone's slightly different, and there's reasons. It might be you've gone through a traumatic event, you've gone through some adversity, and you knock it all on the head, yeah. and you just do what you need to do to get through that moment. Yeah. And then you come back again well, that, that's and you the, come back yeah. stronger. That's the pausing moment. Yeah. That's when you pause and you just say, let me just pause and reflect on this at the moment and with some stillness mm. before I decide what's next. I think this brings us on to like the final data point here, which is that if you're following our advice in all of these areas, right, we've trained you in all of these areas. The final data point is the satisfaction you're feeling in your dating life. We're at 80% here. You, if you're a, a guy right? You should be 80% content with your dating life for sure. Now, whether you want polyamorous relationships, whether you want short-term relationships, whether you want long-term relationships, it really doesn't matter. You should be living a life where you have an 80% satisfaction because once you get to that point, you can calm down and you can focus on other parts of your life. The difference between 80% and 100% isn't really worth pursuing. It's getting to that 80% sweet spot. What are your sort of thoughts on this, having worked with people to get them to this stage? I mean, just before you answer that, like, you know, like some of my clients, one of them's married to a former Miss Germany. Another guy was single for 35 years, is now engaged to be married. Another client has recently had a child. All of these people are at that 80% satisfaction mark and their life is just unbelievably joyful because they got to 80%. Now, they had to go through difficult periods to get there. They had to go through the training. They had to go through learning all of these different elements. But the important part of being 80% there is knowing if this all falls apart, I can do it again. And that's self-confidence in dating. I'm living the perfect dating life. If this comes to an end, I can do it again. And that's going to save any relationship from going wrong because you can always have the self-confidence to, to do it again. What, what do you think on that? So... My 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 biggest takeaway from when relationships are going well is you don't stop doing what got you there. Yeah. Um, the number of times I've had I mean, the number of times I've had clients who they leave us and they're having a great time. They're in that eighty percent, and then they get lazy over the next ten years and they come back to us and oh what they, they explain what went wrong. I was like, well, did did you stop doing X Y Z? Yes. Okay. So I think that's that's number one is always. It's just continuing to continuing yeah. meeting two yep. two people a day, continuing with the and the other thing which I think gets missed is expanding your friendship group isn't a bad thing. No. So if you're and this is where the meeting two people make meeting two people a day when you're in a relationship is perhaps more mm. powerful than meeting mm. two attractive women a day. Yeah. Because you can still be going on Okay, we'll call it a date. It's not a date. You can still, oh, I'm doing this. Yeah, yeah. Join me to a guy yeah. or even a couple. Like imagine you meet somebody who's in a relationship and you're like, oh, we're doing Do this together. really cool thing. Let's go. Yeah. Whether your girlfriend joins you or not, she might not be into that thing. That but It's so true. You know, expanding that social circle, mm -hmm. even when you're in a relationship. The, the other thing as well, so just which you touched upon, which is really interesting, is the insecurities here. So most guys, there's two things that make mistakes in relationship. They meet a girl, they start having sex, so they cancel on their friends because they want to hook up or sleep with the girl more often. That then sets the expectation that your time's readily available and then it creates problems in the future. That's why most guys stop going to the gym, stop seeing their friends, stop doing these things, right? So preventing that at the start is obviously paramount to the relationship. The other problem is that guys that aren't self-confident because they 
don't feel they could go and meet another woman of the same sort of value in their eyes. They don't want a girl to be going and doing other things because they feel jealous if she's doing it. So going back to what we're saying, if you have the self-confidence at the start to know that you could go and meet someone else again, that allows your partner the freedom to do what she does, which creates more trust. Because if you are jealous and controlling, that's going to push her off in another direction anyway. So going back to what we're saying, you have to do these things for the for, for the sake of a healthy relationship. Yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, I mean, we we touch upon. I, th I think I think going through this process is like the eighty percent. There's there's the other side of if you've picked the right pick the right person. That's the wrong wrong terminology. I think if you've found the right person i.e. you've taken your time you've done everything we've said basically and you've found the right person that you want to spend whatever period of your life it is with that's like 50 percent satisfaction yeah and then doing it all again just meeting people 100%. in general is your next 30 percent yeah, i get it that last 20 percent. i know we say we don't care that last 20 percent is kind of going to be like the fantasy realm kind yeah. of and there will be some people who hit that based upon... Well, they, they think they do. Or they, they think don't. that... It, yeah. Even even if they do, there'll be some other area yeah. of their life, and it might not be dating, but there'll be some other area of their life where maybe they're, they've neglected because of it. Yeah. So I think, like like we say, the 80% is the sweet spot because you need that wriggle room for the rest of your life to fit in properly as well. 100%. Listen, Pete, I think we should draw a close to this podcast. I've got no idea how long we've been filming for, probably quite some time. Really uh, great to do this episode. And um, yeah, like... If you guys like this content, this is our brand new studio. So if you want to come to one of our training courses, it would take place here where we can take you out into the real world. We can work on all of these data points to get your life in order. Then you'll find a link in this description where you can find out more about our courses. But Pete, it's always a joy to have you on and I look forward to our next episode. Yeah, hopefully soon. Perfect.